You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. What's happening? It's me. I know. Sorry. Oh, wait. No, you're, you're happy? Okay, good. I feel better now. How's everybody doing? Yeah? Awesome. Man, I, I actually, uh, before I jump into the message, I'd like to um, kind of continue uh, just with what happened in ministry, ministry time with Cody. Um, as, as my man Phoenix over here stood up on his chair, uh, when I saw him stand up, I was like, that's how you stand up on a chair, just like a boss. He didn't stand up and look at the stage. He just stood up and looked at everybody like, let's do this. And uh, I, lo- I love that, and um, I-, I feel like, I-, I-, I don't mean this in a shameful or con- condemnation, guilty kind of way, but I just wonder if Cody would have asked you as, a- as an adult to stand on your chair, what would you have done? So to get-, get up on that chair, right? See, we- none of us had a problem with him standing on that chair, did we? We were like, that's exactly what you should do. Stretch out, you stretch out your hand and begin to pray for him. You, you, um, you love the boldness and, and uh, the willingness to do what he felt like God was telling him to do. Uh, I began to look up this, the scripture that, that came to mind. Um, Matthew 18 says that at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then it goes on to say this, as much as Cody was talking about humility, look, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Um, I want that to be, I want you to remember this moment as just a prophetic act of, and I want you to see yourself standing on the chair. That you come, that you would come into the kingdom and you would come and grab a hold of things in the kingdom like a child would. Let me say it like this, like a boss would. Yeah. You'd stand up on that chair without any, without any shame, without any embarrassment, and say, you know what, I'm gonna come to God. There's something that only we can receive when we come to him and his kingdom like little kids. Yeah. Amen. Come on, say, I receive that. that. Now get up on your chair. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking. Come on, Cody. (laughs) Oh, man, I just just don't want us to, some of y'all, let's just be honest. Some of us, I ain't going to say that. Some of us are too old right now to begin up on our chair. We're just going to stay right here. I can receive from the seated position. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Hey, um, today... I want to dive into a subject that we're all familiar with, and I want to talk to you about faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some faith. 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 You know, I've, uh, I've talked a lot about faith over the years. Um, almost, well, pretty much every year that I've been preaching, there has been a, at, least some, at least one message or a series that I've done on faith. But today I want to come at faith from a different angle um, I'll even say this, I, I believe that it's from the most powerful angle that I've ever come at it from, because I actually want to talk to you about faith through the lens of grace. 
What does it look like to receive faith by grace? How does grace actually play a factor in the faith that we have? Um, I've learned this about faith. Faith is a fight, isn't it? Anybody ever had to fight for something God told them? Anybody ever had to fight for what you read in this, in this Bible and in our scripture? You know, 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. There is a fight that we're supposed to take part in. He calls it a good fight, and he calls it a good fight of faith. You see, if you've been living for some time in your relationship with God, you've realized that you have to fight for things. You have to fight for, for, um, for his word and for what he said to you, even when your experience isn't lining up. You have to fight for financial breakthrough whenever it looks like you're not gonna have enough money to pay all the bills. You have to fight for healing in your body. You have to have faith in release for a relationship you're believing for in your life. You have to, you have, to ha have faith and, 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 and fight to believe some of the things that you read in this word because they're supernatural and they go past the natural realm. You see, we fight the good fight of faith all the time. And the question I wanna try to answer, answer this morning is this. How are we supposed to fight it? What does it look like to fight the good fight of faith? What, is it, what does it mean to increase our faith? How do we grow our faith? How do, we, how do we gather up more faith? You know, Jesus said this, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, we, we realize we don't have to have much, but if you realize, you know, you can, you, you, sometimes you need to increase your faith. Sometimes all, all you can do is just hold on to the faith that you used to have. That faith is this thing that we can grow. It's this thing that we can increase. It's this way that we can fight. And I actually believe there's a better way to fight. What if I told you the answer to that question is as simple as looking to Jesus? Yes. That the way you fight the good fight of faith starts with you looking to Jesus. It doesn't start with you squinting your eyes and praying really, really hard with a little bit of shouting involved. It doesn't start with you going and stirring yourself up. It actually doesn't start with you looking at your faith, but it actually starts with you looking at his. It actually starts with us getting our eyes over onto Jesus because here's the truth. Jesus is the one who provided everything your faith is able to attach to. And when we begin to let his grace and let the revelation of Jesus actually sink in to our life, faith is actually the byproduct. Faith actually become, be, begins to get in us and come out of us. Hebrews chapter 12, if you have your Bible, turn there. This is one of my favorite scriptures on faith. <clears throat> this will make a little bit more sense here in, in a moment as we dive into to breaking this down. I, I want to encourage you too before we read. Um, if you've ever, let me ask you this. If you've ever heard a message on faith, raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you grew up in the word of faith movement. You kind of got a little word of faith in you. Awesome. 
some amazing, amazing principles in, in script, like scripture involving, um, in truth involving the word of faith and in, in, in our faith. I'm, I'm, not te- I'm not saying anything today that you've learned is wrong, but I want, you to, I want you to lay down the things that you've learned about faith and I want you to receive maybe something a little bit different today. Because the truth is, if we're not careful, as many, as many messages as we've heard about faith, we'll actually start putting faith in our faith instead of putting our faith in Jesus. You're, some of y'all look at me like, what are you talking about? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out as we go, all right? Hebrews 12, it'll make a lot more sense when we read this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, how do we do what? We run the race. We let go of sin and the weight of sin. We run the life, live the life of faith. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, I just give you control of uh, my mouth and the, the words that I say and ask you to speak through me today and ask you to speak to your people today that you would lead and guide us into truth and nothing else. Truth. We desire to look like you, think like you, believe like you. And I pray that would happen today in these moments as we read your word in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. Um, Do I have any Mighty Duck fans in the house today? Um, There's a way for me. (laughs) Yes, sir. I like that. There's a way for me to find out if you've seen the movie or not. You ready? Quack, 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 quack. Quack, go, okay, we're not gonna go all the way. Show me like, please stop. Um, if, you've seen, if you've seen Mighty Ducks before, if you remember in the, in the first, first movie, um, I think they're walking around town and they find the real big, tall, muscled guy that's like beating someone up in the alley and they recruit him to be on the team. That's not you, Joe, don't even try and point at yourself. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about? He has the, the bandana and he, he becomes the enforcer on the hockey team. Um, and, 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 if, and if you're like Mighty Ducks, like you love the show, if you go all the way to the second movie, D2 Mighty Ducks, and then you know someone joins him and they become the, the Bash Brothers. Can we, some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? First of all, if you haven't seen Mighty Ducks, you need to get saved. How about that? <laughs> get your life right, give your life to Jesus, and go watch Mighty Ducks. It's simple. <clears throat> so if you're if not, just come up to the front after service. We will lay hands on you. And then you can leave and go get filled with the spirit by watching Mighty Ducks. I'm kidding, that's too far, I went too far. Um, so they recruit this guy on their team and he's, he's the guy that goes out on the ice and he's the one who takes care of everybody. If the, if the other team, if the opposition tries to, tries to do anything, the enforcer, he enforces. Um, if, I don't know if you know this uh, about hockey, but that actually is a real position in, on a hockey team is the enforcer. Another name for them is they're called the goon, which I love, by the way. 
And, and their, their whole job is to be out on that ice and, make, and to d- deter any opposition. And if there is any opposition, somebody's going to fight and it's going to be the enforcer. Because here's the truth. Just like in football and other things, you got, you got the pretty players. You got the pretty boys out there. They're the ones who score all the goals. And guess what they need? They need the offensive linemen. They need the enforcer on the ice to take care of them and watch their back, right? Let's be honest. Anybody, anybody been to a hockey game before? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you went so you hope there will be a fight that will break out. That's the only reason you go, really. You can't even see the puck. What's the point of the game but the fights? Some of you are like, is that Christian? Absolutely, it's 100% Christian. <clears throat> it's an enforcer, that enforcer. I want you to imagine, see, life is a little bit different when you go out on that ice and you know you have an, the enforcer on the ice with you. Imagine how you would play. Imagine how loose you would be knowing that someone's got your back. Just last Sunday, I was, um, Braden was preaching in Lubbock. I was doing ministry time. And during worship, I had an encounter that I've never had before. And um, I, felt, I, felt like, I felt like Jesus walked up beside me. I was standing there in worship, and I felt like he walked up right on the right-hand side of me. Um, the best way for me to describe the feeling is um, it's, it's what you feel, even as an adult, when you go take the trash out at night and you feel like someone's behind you. <laughs> Come on, be honest, ain't one person gotten over that yet. Y'all, st- if it's after 11, I ain't taking no trash out. No way, that dude always follows me out there. He's out there, he's waiting on me. <clears throat> that, that sounds creepy, that's how Jesus felt. He felt creepy, no, I'm kidding. Jesus, he came up and I could just, I could tell that he was with me. That day I, I knew that he had, I felt that we were gonna minister, I was gonna minister on peace at the altar. We had an amazing service, people who just needed peace in their life. And I, and I, I had a lot of faith for what God was going to do that day. I was believing him to really meet people and bring peace to them. But can I just say, my, my confidence and my belief went to a whole nother level when the Prince of Peace stood beside me. When I felt him beside me, and when I knew he was going up there with me, there was a whole nother level of peace, uh, of peace and a whole nother level of faith that got released. And I realized in that moment, my faith goes to a whole new level when I get my eyes off of me and I get my eyes on him. There's something that happens when we realize that in the situations that we face in life, that when we walk into them, not with just our faith, but we walk into them with Jesus and his for our life, we get a completely different result. I'm talking about not just the peaceful, kind kind of Jesus, I'm talking about the enforcer Jesus. I'm talking about the guy who's got your back. I'm talking about the guy who's working all things out for your good. I'm talking about the guy who, who, who made a way for you to come boldly into the throne room of grace. Him. And you know what? You can go out and you can, you can fight that fight all day long and you can pray hard and you can do all the things. And I'm not saying necessarily that any of that is wrong, but you will go out with a new strength and you'll go out where his, where his burden is easy, his yoke is light, and you'll go with Jesus and he will fight for you. You see, when I get my eyes onto Jesus, let me say it this way. When I look into the eyes of grace, 
there is a faith that gets released into my life. It's the difference of going to yourself for faith or going to him. You know, this is something that we all actually do, right? Anytime something begins to go wrong, where do we turn? Inward. What did I do? What have I done? Where is my faith? Why is it so little? Just me or anybody else in here? We go inward. We go to working on ourselves. And can I just say, if you'll just actually turn and look at Jesus, he can do the work on yourself. He's the one who releases faith into you. That even, that even faith comes by grace. It's, it's, a weird, it's kind of a weird thing because what do we learn? It's by grace through faith we've been saved, right? It's by grace through faith. I believe that you can even get faith by grace. That even that, that looking at him, he instills you with, 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 with this, this belief. Hear me today. It's really hard for you to believe God will do something great in your life if you don't actually believe he'll do something great in your life. If you don't believe he's good, if you don't believe you have access, if you don't believe he has favor on your life, if you don't believe you're an heir, if you don't believe you're a son or a daughter, it's really, really hard to release faith for financial success in your life because you think it may not be for me. It may be for them, but it ain't for me. Hear me today, your faith, I believe hinges on the answer to these two questions. You ready? What do you believe about God? And what do you believe about you? And you know who answers that question? Jesus. Jesus tells you who he is and he tells you who you are in him. This is, and, and when, you, when you look at grace, when you begin to look at Jesus, what does he do? He goes, hey, look at the Father. Hey, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, you're pure, you're forgiven, you're powerful, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're an heir. He begins to talk to you about how awesome you are in him. And all of a sudden, faith comes. Oh yeah, I am pretty awesome. Oh yeah, he is working things out for my good. Oh yeah, he is good. And works all things out to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Oh, you're right, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, this is what this is what the writer of Hebrews was trying to get across to us. He starts off, he says, since you've been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, if you back up just one chapter and you go to, to Hebrews chapter 11, are y'all with me today? Yeah. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. You begin to read story after story after story of some big faith people. We're talking about Noah, we're talking about Abraham, we're talking about Enoch who walked with God, never died, he just was walking with God one day and then just was like, well, I ain't going back there, I'm just gonna stay here. I mean, people who had great faith. 
So, so the writer of Hebrews is like, boom, faith, 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 faith. And then he goes to Hebrews chapter 12 and he says, now that you've read all about the people of faith, I'm going to tell you how to live by faith. This is what he's saying. And look at what he says. Since you've been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. Come on, it's about to get good. That slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Yes. Notice that the first step for you when it comes to living a life of faith is that you let go of the weight of sin that slows you down. Not only that, another, another one says the weight and the sin. I believe there's actually two things he's talking about here. I believe that weight is religion. He says, take off the weight and the sin that so easily trips you up. In other words, he says, Here, here's how you live this life of faith. It starts with you throwing off religion and throwing off sin. Guess what does that? Grace. Grace. Grace says, Someone already bought and paid for that. His name is Jesus. Grace says you don't have to pay for it. Grace says everything you need has already been made available by the finished work of the cross. Grace says stop walking around in religion and live free. You want to live a life of faith? It starts by looking at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm not, I don't identify with the sinner part. I'm thankful that I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I focus on the grace part because I'm no longer the sinner, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're no longer a sinner. Yeah. You're no longer a sinner in his eyes. As a believer in Jesus, do you sin? Yes. Do you mess up? Yes, but it's not who you are. I hope you believe that. It's not who you are. He calls you a saint. He calls you a son. He makes you his daughter. And even though you mess up and even though you sin, he looks upon you through Jesus and through the blood of Jesus and declares you righteous, Hallelujah. forgiven. That's who you are. When you walk around knowing that, you walk around full of faith. When you walk around knowing that, you actually walk around with Faith. See, did you see it? You want to live the life of faith? Throw off the things that slow you down like religion and sin. And just in case we did not get how to do it, he goes, we do this by looking to Jesus. The one who initiates and perfects what? Our faith. Isn't it interesting that we don't? You know what I think many, what I believed for a long time? I believe, I believe Jesus initiated my faith. I just was like, oh, I'll take it from here. Many of us do that. 
many of us believe he initiates the faith upon salvation. Oh, we're saved. Boom, there's the initiation of faith. Okay, God, thank you. I'll go, I'll go over here and start working and perfecting my faith. And what we do is we get over into striving and earning and performing, even in the area of faith. Is this making sense? We start working on our faith and there's nothing wrong with working on our faith as long as you understand that it ain't your work that gets it increased, it's him. It's putting your faith in him. See, grace empowers I'll, I'll read it to you this way. <clears throat> when you find yourself in those moments where you need more grace, I'm sorry, when you need more faith, you need to increase it, you need to grow it, you just need faith for a situation. Um, here's what I believe you need to do. Let grace begin to have its effect on your soul. Start to meditate and start to think on Jesus. Start to look to him. And what will begin to happen is sin and religion will begin to fall off. A, a realization and a revelation of, of his goodness will be able to get in. And slowly but surely, faith will start to seep in. Faith will start to get, on, get, get, get in you. There will be an impartation of faith. And all of a sudden, what will happen is here you are doubting and here you are in faith. All of a sudden, the scales will flip to faith. And now, empowered by grace, you will release faith out of your mouth. Oh, come on. That was way better than the way you're looking at me right now. <laughs> empowered by grace, we release faith. <clears throat> Joseph Prince, he said it this way. He said, the more revelation you get of his finished work, the more you will receive an impartation of faith for any situation. The deeper your revelation is of him. <clears throat> I, uh, I had a vision not too long ago. Um, actually, I had a vision a long time ago. <laughs> it was actually, yeah. It's all right. It's second service. I, I'm not sure if I've been able to share it here. Um, probably the, mo the, the most powerful vision that I actually had. Um, I was looking into and studying grace and studying um, just this phrase the Lord gave me about how we belong to Jesus. What it means to belong to him. Did you know you belong to him? Yes. We belong to Jesus. And I began to see, I began to see this man, and I could t it just in my mind's eye as a vision, and I began to see him. He was tattered up, had tattered clothes on. He was on the street. I could tell that, I could tell he was um, addicted to drugs, had kind of got strung out, that he was homeless. He had nowhere to go. He had been this way for a while and was just walking on the street. I could, feel, I, could, I could feel just the, the dirtiness and the heartache that was on him. And all of a sudden, it was like he got transported into a mansion. He got put in this mansion. 
And when I saw him in this mansion, I, I be, the Lord began to show me what was in the mansion. And I, and I just knew in my spirit, I knew as I began to see him there, that if he would just go up the stairs, there was a room waiting for him. And in that room was a shower and a bed, and he had a, he had a wardrobe, he had a closet, and somehow someone had figured out his sizes and filled up the whole thing with brand new clothes. I, I remember thinking and, and, and knowing, oh man, you're, he was in this big foyer area, and, and I remember if you just push through those doors over there, there was a big, huge kitchen with all kinds of food. And in that, in that kitchen, there were maids and there were butlers and they were working and they were ready to prepare um, the best Mexican food known to man. <laughs> Chips and salsa were already out. All the food was there ready to be prepared. He didn't even have to make it himself. But slowly I began to realize that the man had no idea he was in the mansion. It was almost as if I could see through his eyes. And what he saw is he literally still saw the sidewalk he was walking on in the street. He had his head down and he was walking in circles in the foyer of this mansion, not even realize that if he would just pick up his head and grab a hold of a new perspective, he would see what was available to him. I began to realize that this was just the Lord speaking to me, that a rich man had, had adopted this man and brought him into his mansion is what had happened. And then it all began to make sense. And what I began to realize is that many of us as believers, we walk around like him. We walk around in a mansion not realizing we're in the mansion. We walk around believing we're still addicted, believing we're still in sin, believing we're still walking on the street, believing that all we deserve is those tattered clothes. And if we would just pick up our eyes and look, we have a, we have a really rich dad who's adopted us. Amen. That we're in this place where everything that we need has been made available to us by grace. And I'm not, I'm not painting some pipe dream. I'm not painting that life is always perfect and you'll never have hardship. But what I am painting is the fact that we are heirs of the Most High God. We're heirs. You know what heirs get? They get everything that dad has. That's what they get. And if we would just take that perspective, we would realize, oh my gosh, I've got a room. I've got a new set of clothes. I've got, I've got all these things made available to me because of what Jesus did for me. Romans chapter eight says this, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You see, when I realize that I'm an heir, 
I begin to walk around as if God is going to work things out for me. I begin to, I begin to live a life where I'm expecting that God could show up at any moment. I begin to live a life where when something doesn't add up and something messes up and, and it may be me or maybe a relationship or something just does not look like the way that we believe it should look. It's not what God promised. It's not what he had. That I actually get into that situation going, oh, he's about to turn this around for my good. Instead of running over and going, oh, where's my faith? Come on, Keith, uh, read the word, speak the word, declare the word, declare it enough before you start to believe it, all that. And all that is scriptural and you should do all of that. But my first step, I should, I'm not going to my own effort and my own striving. What I wanna do with my first step is I wanna see, I wanna pick my head up and I wanna see myself in the mansion. I'm not sure if you believe me yet, so I'm going to keep preaching. Did you know that your life of faith looks like you grabbing a hold of what's already been provided to you? Living a life of faith isn't grabbing a hold of something that's not provided. It's already provided. It's already been made. It's been made for you. Because of Jesus, it was the finished work of the cross. Healing is yours. Prosperity is yours. Blessing, yours. Favor, yours. Yours. And faith reaches up into that bank account with all of it already in there. And it, like a debit card, swipes it and makes a withdrawal. Some of you are like, did you just make God your sugar daddy? Kind of. I've never met one parent, for the most part. You go to a game, you go to a football game, you go into that gym, and here comes your little one. Can I have a dollar so I can go get a sucker? It's like, bro, why are you always asking me for stuff? Yes, here. And here they come, 20 minutes later. Um, I, met, I met this kid and he didn't have a sucker. Can you give me some money for him too? And here, just, here's my wallet. Just do what you do. If we know how to give good gifts to our earthly kids, how much more will our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.